am happy that you guys are here. I'm excited to be up here today and to be able to share with you guys. And I think we all just need to take a minute Take a big sigh. We made it through Christmas. Maybe a pat on the back. You guys made it through Christmas of 2021. And that is great news. We're glad you made it. Can't believe it's already here. Can't believe it's already gone. But this time of year, every year, I have this this weird feeling that I get, kind of these mixed emotions that I get during this week of the year. See, we have all this craziness that's going on and we're about to get back into a normal routine and I just find myself sitting here asking, now what? Like, well, I survived Christmas, I survived all the crazy that went on and there's a lot we all went through. If we go back even back to the beginning of the holiday season, think about Thanksgiving. We had to get up in the garage or down in the basement, find all the Thanksgiving decorations, break those out, put them all around the house. Everything that goes into hosting a Thanksgiving, bringing the right meal for Thanksgiving, whatever it is, spending time close quarters with family for Thanksgiving, we did it, we survived. Now it's time to tear down Thanksgiving. Tear down all the decorations, and then we have to do the same thing again for Christmas. We get up back up in the attic and get back down in the basement, find all those Christmas decorations that we have to put up. We put up all the Christmas decorations. The house looks great. We're getting ready for, for the season, and then it's time to track down the Christmas list. Now I am the worst at this. Getting my Christmas list would make a great episode on America's Most Wanted. It really would. Like there, we would be searching and searching and searching and it, we would find it just in the nick of time for me to actually get something for Christmas. But then once you get the Christmas list, you have to find the time to start shopping for the Christmas list. Then once you get all the presents, you have to find the time to wrap all the Christmas presents. And it just keeps going. You have the family traditions that you have to do, you have all the traveling, vacations that we have, and then starts the school concerts and the school plays and the recitals and all the things that we go to and life is just on full throttle, just constantly going, going, going. We finally make it to this last week. We have Christmas Eve, we have Christmas Day, and we're all here today, so it must have gone okay, right? And we get done with all of that, and now we start thinking about, well, what day should we tear down all these decorations again? Where did we put these? I didn't like how they were last year. You start running through all of those kinds of things, and then you remember that that next year is, is this week. Like, we're starting next year this week, so I should probably spend some time to reflect on how did 2021 go? What are some areas that I could improve in? Where are my, my resolutions? And, and we give ourselves probably less time than we should to think about how we're going to better ourselves, and then, well, we got New Year's Eve parties, so who's got the best party? Who's got the best apps? That's where we're going to go. That's what we're going to do. We made it through a lot. That's crazy just to get through this last month. And then on top of that, the holidays just work as an amplifier of whatever's going on in your life already. Maybe you guys are going through a harder time. You had a marriage that's struggling or you're trying to restore relationships in your home. And it feels like you might just be taking two steps backwards here during this holiday season. It's so difficult amplifying the things that we're going through every single day of our lives without that loved one, without that friend is a hard day but it's even harder. It's especially hard during these holiday seasons. Maybe you're going through more of a time that you would consider a waiting period. You're waiting for news from a hospital, waiting for news from a job interview or from from an employee or waiting for all these things. And this time of year becomes this big like, oh, we'll get back to you after the holidays, get back to you after the first of the year. And and you're waiting in the middle of this busy time, this fast paced time, your life is just put on hold. Just, Just wait. 
we'll get around to it. And your waiting seems to never keep going. But maybe you're not going through a time of pain and suffering. Maybe you're not going through a time of waiting, but you're going through a time of celebration. And that's okay too. You're not, you might be in the minority here, but that's okay. Enjoy your time of celebration. Those are even also amplified during this Christmas season, right? Where maybe you got a bigger Christmas bonus than you were expecting. Maybe you got that present that you were wanting yesterday. So I heard some Nintendo DSs out there. I didn't hear about the Bugatti, but that sounds nice. Like These are awesome things. Maybe you just became a grandparent like Pastor Rick and Miss Joy. These are times of celebration. <laughs> yeah. These are times of celebration, right? And they can be amplified to be so much better during the holiday season. And one of the things that I want to look look through with you guys this morning is the story of Joseph. Um, I believe that he has kind of these same times in his life. I see this time of pain and time of suffering and time of hardships, but then we also see times of waiting and then we see times of celebration. And he, his story mirrors the story of Christ so closely. And I think there's some real truths that we can pull out of that. And so that's what I wanna do with you guys here tonight. I'm going to run through the story of Joseph fairly quickly, painfully, painfully high view, not getting into the details of it. But I don't want to assume that everybody in the room knows the story of Joseph. Uh, I want to make sure that we're all working from the same level. So Joseph, it takes place in Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible in Genesis chapter 37 through 50. And it's a phenomenal story. And I recommend you guys go read it and read it over again. Uh, it is ups and downs. It's, I, I'm sh I think they've made movies of it. It's Hollywood worthy. Uh, it is something that you absolutely want to dive into. But Joseph, he was born to a guy named Jacob and Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. So father Abraham with all the arms and the legs and the children. And he was, he, that was Joseph's great grandpa. So that's where he falls into in this, in the storyline here. He's right there kind of in the forefathers of time with, with Abraham and, and those guys. And he was born to a big family. He had 10 older brothers. And Joseph, being the baby, was, of course, uh, the favorite. And uh, I, I spoken like a firstborn, I know how that goes, the baby being the favorite and whatnot. And so he was the favorite. His brothers knew it, and his dad made it known. Uh, his dad, Jacob, gave him this coat of many colors. It was this special thing. It set him apart from the rest of the group. And that really began to start a jealousy in his brothers, uh, a jealousy that, that made things hard. He got the special special treatment. He got the special coat. He got all of those things. And so uh, his brothers, they got more and more jealous. And then Joseph has these dreams, these dreams that come from God. Um, and, and these dreams, well, Joseph might not have been the sharpest knife in the drawer because if he would have understood his context a little bit better, he probably wouldn't have shared these dreams with the rest of his family, but he did. And these dreams were, were basically saying that someday we're gonna be reunited and uh, you guys are gonna bow down to me. And so, so if, if you have someone who's struggling with jealousy, 101 is, is probably keep that one to yourself. We're not gonna share about how they're going to bow down to you uh, if they're already jealous of who you are and, and, and your position in life. Life. But that's what Joseph does, and their jealousy, his brother's jealousy moves into hatred. And it's a hatred to where they want to plot to kill him. And that's exactly what they plot to do. But they got some sense right in the last minute, and they decided they were going to make a little profit of him. So they sold him off into slavery to some slave traders uh, who then sold him to a man named Potiphar. Now, Potiphar uh, was probably as good of a guy as you could have been a slave for, from what I am understanding. And, uh, but Joseph was, was a slave uh, to Potiphar, and 
while he was a slave there, he was accused of some things, falsely accused of some things that he just didn't do. Uh, but it wound up putting him in prison. So he gets put in prison, and while he's in prison, he meets two other prisoners that are there. And these other two prisoners end up having dreams as well. And so Joseph's able to tell him, hey, God's given me this ability to be able to interpret dreams. Uh, share your dreams with me, and I will interpret them for you. And so you kind of have both ends of the spectrum in these two dreams. Dream for from prisoner number one uh, ends up being that his life, he's going to be uh, executed in a few days and that's how it, the, his story will end. The dream number two for the other guy was that uh, before he was put in prison, he worked in close proximity to the Pharaoh at the time. And the dream was that he was gonna be restored to his position. And, uh, and Joseph said, when, when you are restored to, to this position, I, I've been put here falsely. And so I want to end up, uh, I, I, would, I would like to remind Pharaoh that I'm here. I think I have a case to maybe get out of here. So if you could just remember me when you get put back into your position. Um, unfortunately, he didn't. And several years passed. And in those several years that passed, Pharaoh ended up having a dream. And uh, no one could interpret this dream for Pharaoh. And so all of a sudden, Prisoner number two is like, hey, wait a minute. I happen to know this guy who can interpret dreams. He's very accurate from the experience that I have. We should pull him out of prison, see if he's still there. Pull him out of prison and uh, see if he can interpret this dream. So he interprets this dream for Pharaoh. They find him, they pull him out there and he interprets these dreams. And the dreams are that there is about to be seven years of plenty in the land of Egypt, in the region that's there. And then that's gonna be followed by seven years of famine. Um, um, and so the, Joseph says here in, the, in this year of plenty, when we have all of the, uh, the crops are just giving us great yields, livestock is doing well, we need to store up extra. And then that will give us enough to be able to get through the seven bad years. So Pharaoh says, great idea. I've heard, you have a good track record ahead of you. Let's go ahead and do that. In fact, I'm going to put you in charge of it, which put Joseph as second in command of all of Egypt at the time. Um, and so that is where I wanted to lead us to for us to jump off of this spot of, of we get to this week that I'm telling that I told you guys about where we, we've gone through all of this stuff, good, bad, indifferent. And, and I, I get to this spot for myself and I, I would imagine that some of you do where you're just like, now what? What's next? I'm not a guy who cares for routine very much, but this time of year, I very much am like, you know what? A really boring, mundane routine sounds nice. <laughs> sounds really nice right about now. Um, and, and so now what? And I want to answer that now what? What does that look like for our spiritual lives? What does that look like for our spiritual health and moving forward through this? In these areas of Joseph's life, I, I, I kind of categorized Joseph's life the same way that I categorized um, ours, in, in that he has this, this period of pain and suffering. He has this period of waiting and he has this period uh, or uh, yeah, of waiting and then he has this period of um, celebration. And so picture this with me, if you will, the perfect vacation, right? It's going to be characterized by peace is what it is. So for most of us, that is we leave Iowa for starters, and then we go someplace hot and then we sit inside someplace cold. Or, or we go someplace cold and we sit inside someplace hot, right? That, that's like the perfect vacation. And so for me, I'm no different. I leave Iowa, I go to a beach, and then I sit under a cabana. And then for me, it's, it's all about the appetizers. So there would just be a buffet of, of endless appetizers right over here. And, and I would have that, and that would be the most peaceful thing, listening to the waves, eating some little smokies. I mean, it would just be a great experience 
until all of a sudden a rainstorm comes. The wind starts to blow and my peace is completely ruined. The, the cabana has gone crazy. Everything has gone down and we run into this, this peace that, the, that our world offers us. While as good as it was, it was the best peace that money could buy. It's gone in a rainstorm. It's gone with the wind that fast. And so I want to talk to us or talk to you guys today about this peace that we see in Joseph's life, this peace that we can have, this supernatural peace. And um, God, or Jesus actually talks about this uh, in the last supper with his disciples. So he's having this meal with his disciples. It's some of his last words on this earth. And he knows what's about to come. He knows that he's about to be betrayed. He's about to be arrested. He's about to be beaten and tortured and killed. And this is what he wants to talk about is peace. And he says, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Not a peace that's gone when the wind blows, gone when the rain comes. Not a peace as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So Jesus, he's talking about, he knows that he is about to leave. He's about to go back into heaven. And he's talking about how he's excited because God is going to send the Holy Spirit down when he leaves to go into heaven. And Jesus is saying, this is going to be so much better because when I'm here as a person, I am a person in a place. I cannot be with everyone all the time. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to be with you. He's going to be inside of you. He's going to, call, he's going to go with you everywhere you go. And he's going to be reminding you of who who God is, of the promises that God has made, of the goodness that God is, and the character of him. And so he says, this is great news. This is awesome for you. You can have peace because I'm leaving my spirit, the spirit behind with you. Now, I see this mirror in Joseph's life as well uh, in Genesis chapter 39. Three times in Genesis chapter 39, it says, and the Lord was with Joseph. So anytime that scripture says something repeatedly in a short span, that should be like us to be like, oh, hey, like, listen here, look at here. This is important. And that's exactly what happens here. In this spot, Joseph is, Joseph is being, uh, he just is, goes to Potiphar's house, just becomes a slave for Potiphar. And it says the Lord was with Joseph and the Lord gave him a peace and allowed him to succeed as well as a slave can succeed, I guess, and, and glorify God in a tough situation, in the pain, in the suffering of being a slave. He goes on later after Joseph's falsely accused of having an affair with Potiphar's wife. He goes on to say, and the Lord was with Joseph. And then the third time at the very end of the chapter, he goes further and says, as Joseph is being thrown into prison, the Lord was with Joseph and also granted him peace in jail, in prison, through the pain, to be able to reach into the lives of those that were around him in that area. And so as I try to answer this now what question, I'm sitting there and I say, now what is I can take on, I can go through these hard situations that I'm going through. I can go through this pain that I'm going through to be able to know that God is with me, that he's going to, the, the Holy Spirit's with us, that he's going to give us peace. He's going to bring to our minds the truth that God has about his character and who he is. And that's part of the thing, one of the things that set us as believers apart is that we have a peace that transcends beyond the circumstances that we're going through. And another one of the things that set us apart is that we can also have hope. 
we can have hope in these areas. And it also, in the same way, is this supernatural hope. And it's something that can set believers way apart from the rest of the world because we live in a world that, quite frankly, is pretty hopeless from time to time um, and, and seems to be more common today than it usually is or than it, than it normally is. And so we can have hope in our world, in our circumstances. We can have hope in the waiting that we have. So Joseph, he, he, he spent a lot of his time waiting. He waited in a pit before he was sold as a slave. He waited as a slave. He waited in prison. That alone was 13 years of waiting. Then he went on to become second in command of Egypt, and he waited another almost nine years before he ever saw his family again. And the whole time he's waiting, he has to be a human like you and I, asking, is, is God really good? Is God actually going to keep his promise? This is getting to be a lot of years. You see, Joseph had these dreams when he was a kid. Those were promises from God. They were dreams that were given to him from God that he was going to see his family again one day. And he hadn't seen that family yet. It's been years, almost over 20 years since he had seen his family. And we can also take hope in the promises of God. Now, God hasn't given us the same promise that he gave Joseph here in this scenario, but he's given us promises like the one we just saw about peace, right? God promises us peace. God promises us wisdom if we ask for it. God promises to be faithful to us. God promises to love us no matter what. And we can take hope in those same promises or in those promises. And what, where, where it's important to take hope in the promises because of the outcomes of those promises, that can be motivating. But where the true motivation comes is taking hope because of the person giving the promise. Um, for, for, it would be one thing if I were to write you a promise, write you a letter, put it in your mailbox, and you can say, you know what, Brandon, Brandon's a pretty good guy. Pastor Dan talked really highly about him. I think we, can, think we could probably be okay with this promise, but as soon as something hard comes, as soon as your circumstances get difficult, it's like, oh, well, Brandon's promise seems a little, little far-fetched right now. And so maybe you won't do that, but a promise from someone who's been through tough times with you, a promise with someone that you know loves you, wants the best for you in your life, that has your best interests in mind. Now that's a promise you say, I can take this promise to the bank. As we dig into the promises that God gives us throughout his word, this was just a couple of them talking about peace and wisdom and love and all of those things. But as we dig into those promises and we experience more promises, we get, begin to see the character of God. We begin to see his goodness. We begin to see how much he loves us. He takes on this colorful 3D picture of just this beautiful, beautiful person that we can be close to. We can share those hard things with. We can, he does want the best for us. And through that, we can take hope, not only in the promises, but because of the one who is making those promises. And when we get into scripture, when we allow scripture to define who we are, to, to, to shape the way that we see life, when we look at who God is and we look and see, as we see the, 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 the life of Jesus and how this is played out, these are things that begin to shape who we are and we begin to experience more of this joy. Pastor Rick talked a few series ago about joy and about happiness and how that as believers we should be people marked by a joy that is is 
indescribable, something that, that the, the world causes the world to stop and say, what is different with this person? And, and so when we rely on the truths of scripture, when we choose to place our faith in the things that God says, that is when we can experience this true joy that, that doesn't change with our circumstances. And so when we're asking this, this now what question, now what, well, we, can, we can begin to have peace, we can choose to have peace, we can choose to have hope, or we can experience hope because of these promises of God, because of who God is in making these promises. And in joy, we can choose joy regardless of our circumstances. And we see that modeled in the life of Christ. Um, Hebrews recaps that really well in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, second half of verse 1 and into verse 2. And it says, uh, let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. That's what I'm talking about. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we fix our eyes on the word of God, we begin to see these truths and we allow it to wash over us. We allow it to, to shape who we are um, as believers. And then we can go on and see, uh, and see the truth of this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. While facing the cross, Jesus chose joy. He wanted there to be a different way. It didn't, he, he said, if there, he told, prayed to his God, to God the Father, if there is another way, please let me take that way. Please let us go that way. But he understood who God was. He understood the truths of who his father was. And he said, with joy, not with, not with a happiness, not without fear, not without nerves, but choosing to have joy, knowing that there was more to the story. See, the cross wasn't the end of it. There was more to the story. It was the way to much better things, to a way to a bigger plan that God has. And that's one of the things that I find so cool about scriptures and about the story uh, of Joseph in the way that it mirrors Jesus is, is Joseph went through all of these hard things, but God used it for good. In the same way that Joseph left his home and left his father, we see that God left his home, right? And we just celebrated that yesterday, right? Of him leaving his home, leaving his father and coming down, down to earth. We also see that, 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 that Jesus was, was hated and he was betrayed by the people that were closest to him, in the same way that Joseph was. We see, this may be a coincidence, but they were both sold for some silver, right? Like, we have these parallels that keep happening in their stories. Uh, we also see that he was falsely accused, and he was punished for something that he didn't do. And all of this was part of a bigger story, part of the story that God had, the plan that God had for their lives to be able to bring something good. He took the good and the bad in both Joseph's life and Jesus's life to be able to bring a forgiveness of sins, to be able to bring an ultimate good on a very, very big, big plan. And because of that, we can choose that forgiveness of sins. We can seek that restoration back to our relationship with God. And what that looks like is, is seeing that our way is not working, knowing that his way is best. He has a plan for us that is so good, that is better than anything that we could come up with. And he wants us to choose that. He wants to have that close relationship. He wants to use us as his plan. And that takes us from going the way that we want to go, going the way that is natural to us and saying, God, your way is better. I'm going to choose this. And that's our very first step of beginning a relationship with God is I'm choosing you. I'm choosing to have faith in your way. I'm choosing to trust you. And then it's just 
that over and over and over again of taking that next step and saying, God, I know you have a bigger plan. I know you're a good God. I know you want to use me in your plan. And so I'm going to take the next step to move closer toward you. And I see, we see this in the Joseph story. We see it all come together here at the end. You see, Joseph, he's second in command of, of all of Egypt. And uh, the seven good years, they're over. We're, we're getting into the thick of it. And uh, his family runs out of food, and they end up needing to come to Egypt. And of all the people in Egypt, the person they have to ask for food from is their own brother who they tried to kill and so ended up selling into slavery and all of that. That's the guy they have to end up asking for food. Um, but they don't even know it's him. Joseph recognizes them right away. I would imagine it would be a little bit hard to forget their faces. But Joseph recognizes them right away and begins having all of these memories of how God has been good to him, how God's been faithful to him, how God's been with him. All of these things come flooding back and he begins the process of being able to forgive his, son, his brothers. Um, he makes him jump through a whole bunch of hoops and it's a kind of a drawn out thing, but he ends up revealing who he is, making himself known to his brothers and he forgives them. He begins the process of forgiving. Um, and then the process of restoring their relationships back together. And it was a process that we could say probably took up the rest of their lives um, because again, he's human like us. And when you're hurt that deeply, when the trust has been hit that hard, it's a process just to get back to like being cordial, much less forgiving and restoring and back to a family level of, of things. And so Joseph and his brothers, they begin that process and they go until, uh, until it comes to a point where their dad ends up dying. Their, their dad, Jacob, he ends up dying. And uh, Jacob must have been like the life insurance policy for his brothers because he dies and his brothers come running to Joseph and they say, please don't kill us. Uh, just like, let us live. Like he was the accountability that was keeping us keeping them alive. And that was where their friendship had gotten to. They hadn't gotten back to this close for forgiveness, this restoration yet. They were still like hinging on their dad being alive. This is the only way that, that we're going to be alive here. And they, so they come, they're begging for their lives to Joseph. This is, this is the bowing moment, right? The moment that, that God's promises to Joseph have come to fruition. It's happening right here in front of him. And after this long life that Joseph lived, after the pain, after the waiting, after the celebrations that have happened, these are the words of Joseph at the end. It's one of the last words recorded in the story about Joseph. And it's Genesis chapter 50, uh, verse 20. And it says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. And that's usually where we stop the verse. And we say, yay, that feels good. Let's go home and eat some lunch or more appetizers or something. But that's not the rest of the verse. And I wanna share just the rest of the verse and talk about that for a second. It says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, Joseph was able to choose peace and he was able to choose hope and joy through these difficult circumstances in his life because he understood that, that, that his part in the story was not the whole story. He understood that God had this big, good plan for his life, but more than that, he understood that God's plan was so much bigger than his life. He understood that, that it wasn't, to put it more crassly, all about him. Like it was, it was about this bigger story, the saving of many lives. God 
had a plan to save many lives. God had a plan to make himself known to thousands, if not millions, after the story was shared down from generation to generation of how Joseph saved these people. And Joseph just kept bouncing the credit right back to God, right back to God, and was able to be a light in these situations in his life because he was able to have this peace and this hope and this joy. And so that's my encouragement to you guys is as we restart 2021 as we move into a normalcy or whatever we're going to be moving into how can we begin to to have peace knowing that God is with us along the way how can we begin to have hope knowing that God's promises are good that he's trustworthy that he's going to be faithful to our promises or to the promises that he's ma- making how can we move forward having joy knowing that, that our part, there's such a bigger story going on and that our part is small. God wants to use each and every one of us, but it requires us to be obedient. It requires us to be willing to be used by him. And he wants to use each and every one of us. God, we love you.